Later today, the President, the First Lady, the Vice President, and the Second Gentleman will mark the solemn milestone of 500,000 American lives lost to COVID-19. They will ask all Americans to join in a moment of silence during a candle lighting ceremony at sundown. President Biden will also deliver remarks and order all flags on federal property to be lowered at half-staff for the next five days. Tonight's events, including the President's remarks, will highlight the magnitude of loss that this milestone marks for the American people and so many families across the country. Well, that is Jen Psaki this afternoon at the White House press podium. She reckons that lighting some candles and lowering some flags are going to make people forget that over the last week, and really over the last weekend, we saw the Biden regime, including Jen Psaki, up there defending Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, Governor Andrew Cuomo, I should say, and Chris Cuomo while we're at it. He's been a part of that whole cover-up that's been going on in New York. And the fact that they came into office and they said, hey, there's nothing really we can do. There's nothing, no steps we can take, nothing major we can change. But every time Joe Biden is at a microphone, when he finds his way to a microphone, all he can talk about is Donald Trump. Welcome to another episode of the National Pulse podcast coming to you from a snowy Capitol Hill. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com, and in studio with me, for the first time in a long time, well, maybe I'll let the audience guess the voice. Why don't you say hello? Hello. <laughs> that would be none other than Natalie Winters, our senior reporter at thenationalpulse.com, fresh off a fresh off a renegotiation session here in the uh, in the National Pulse headquarters. Natalie's like, look, if I have to come to DC, if I have to be in DC, you got to throw me a little more scratch, ladies and gentlemen. If you think we should pay Natalie Winters <laughs> at all, frankly. <laughs> Head on over to thenationalpulse.com forward slash support. We are funded by you. We do not take money from big corporates. We do not take money from millionaires. We do not take money from billionaires. I feel like soon we're going to have to say trillionaires as well because this is the this is the inflationary trajectory in which we're headed. All right, it's been a long time since I spoke to you. It's been a long time since I sat at this microphone. I was in Phoenix Arizona over the last week. I took my podcasting equipment with me, but really struggled to find the time in the day to sit down, go through the news, and then pass it into a podcast. You hear this as a final product, ladies and gentlemen. It takes about an hour out of your day. It takes about two hours, maybe even more, to put together as a show between researching and the clips and the conversation topics and the production elements and everything like that. Remember, I don't do any post-production, but uh, it all still adds up. And I'm still, by the way, I'm still, the reason I'm talking about production is still to spite that one person who wrote in the comment section in our first week that we shouldn't spend so much time talking about production issues. This is for you. I'm sure they've long tuned out from this, but this is just for them. Okay, Natalie, we've got a bunch of stories up at the National Pulse. I do want to add one thing for our audience as well, is to let them know that more than ever before, we are getting uh, a ton of external submissions from uh, people who are big in the MAGA movement uh, and, and on the issues that we're 
that we find important that we want to drill down into and dr bradley thayer and and steve cortez and mike mccormick and um who, who are some of the others that were thomas farnan uh we've had a frank gaffney's been talking to us about this so more than ever more and more content will be flowing up onto the national pulse and not just from natalie winters anymore it won't just be the natalie pulse anymore but we'll have more and more content from external contributors on the site as well and and really the reason i'm telling you this is is to thank you ladies and gentlemen you have made us such a large site that all of these big names in policy circles are coming to us when they want their views uh, uh, put out there uh, and the second reason I'm telling you is because it, it actually creates more work for you firstly you have to read all of these things I don't do it for my health and secondly you are our street team you are the people out there that share this information that make sure that people out there know what's really going on and the National Pulse we pride ourselves on, on cutting through all the noise, delivering you the signal, and kind of giving you the action steps that you need to take on the back of it to, to, to make sure that more people know what's going on. In that regard, I want to make sure you're part of all of our social media channels, our Telegram, our uh, Twitter, if you're still on it. Uh, that's just me, at Raheem Kassam. Natalie, you're still there. You haven't been, yes. Nick, what's your handle? Natalie G. Winters. And they're going to they're gonna get annoyed at me for not bringing you in on this conversation more. So let's start with a couple of the stories we've been looking at over the last 24 hours, Natalie, because the news media will tell you that QAnon is this all-encompassing Republican Party uh, belief bogeyman they're using it, really. QAnon was, you know, in charge of... Uh, January the 6th, whoever QAnon is, was standing up there at the podium at the, in the Senate, uh, urging people in, probably the shaman, right? The shaman is the, is, the, is, the, is the QAnon. And what are we learning from this new poll, actually, that's coming out of, I think, uh, I think one of the uh, university polls, in fact. What are we learning about how many people actually have interacted with this web phenomenon? Well, virtually... Uh, no one in the Republican <laughs> Party holds a favorable view of the group and the plurality in the study, which is close to 50 percent, have never even heard of the group. And this is in contrast with every mainstream media outlet, whether it's the New York Times, CNN running pieces like I'm looking at my laptop right now. Uh, what is QAnon, the viral pro-Trump conspiracy theory? And it seems that this, quote, conspiracy theory, which it is, is neither viral nor pro-Trump because it doesn't get any support from people who support the president, nor is it viral uh, amongst his his supporters. So really bizarre, really just undercutting the uh, the mainstream media's narrative on this group, which, as you've talked about extensively, never never really had much traction to begin with. Did they um, did they do a, a study into how many people in other parties had looked into into this and were and were familiar with this? Because it seems to me that a lot of this is confected. A lot of the the, the virality of of QAnon is actually from the media itself. It's now from the White House press podium. Uh, in, in fact, it was under the last administration as well. But that time, it was the reporters who, who were asking the questions rather than the the press secretary who was commenting on this. But a lot of this virality, and you you see this a lot in, and you have seen it a lot develop over the last ten years. When something goes viral, sometimes it's astroturfed, right? Sometimes it's it's one of these thunderclaps. I don't know if you're familiar with that, uh, which is where where you tell an entire audience all at one time to log on to this website, Thunderclap. I don't know if it even still exists, but, oh. but it will send one specific message out 
from all of the different accounts that have signed up for it all at the same time with the hope of getting it immediately trending uh, a thunderclap is kind of like hey if we all talk about this all at once we'll meme it into existence uh, we'll we'll create virality where where natural virality doesn't exist and it seems to me this is what the media has done with QAnon as well now i know there are people out there who believe in it i've spoken to some of them and i've i've tried to tell them what utter nonsense it is uh, however having said that this these numbers these statistics are, are, are rather incredible you have a four percent is it favorability rating natalie yes, with uh, with republicans yeah the thousand people that they pulled just 40 40 people which translates to four percent held a favorable view and 433 which translates to 43.33%, have actually, quote, never even heard of the group. Extraordinary, extraordinary stuff. Now, let's talk about this poll a little bit, because it's not exactly a, a, a skewed Republican poll in the sense that in the sense that they have asked more uh, uh, of one than the other. This is a problem that we hear about with a lot of the pollsters. This poll shows a pretty, pretty much what you would expect when these you know, potential voters are asked about all the different, you know, Joe Biden, the Democrat Party and the Republican Party. Uh, but it's also, am I right in saying that it's probably bad news for the Republican Party in here as well? I think Donald Trump has a favorability rating of 82% amongst Republicans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the mainstream outlets spun this poll as kind of a, a scary tale, a cautionary tale, and the fact that President Trump uh, has such a strong hold over the Republican Party. That was the, the buried lead that they got out of the poll, which obviously we took a, a different direction, the buried lead, which I think of all the write-ups that I, I read on this poll, I don't think a single piece uh, mentioned the fact that just 4% of people that they polled in the Republican Party have a favorable favorable view of QAnon. Well, it's interesting because it comes at a time when, of course, the Democrats are in attempting to enforce or reinforce the need for this, this razor-wire fence. By the way, had you seen the fence before? I hadn't seen the barbed wire on top. That was a new addition. Because you've been out of town. Yeah, I, I've been out of town for about a month. And when I left, there was no barbed wire. And it seemed like the fencing was kind kind of temporary. Mm. Or it was more just kind of chain link fence. But then I came back and I was walking to the studio. And I saw that they had added two layers of fencing. It seemed like they added more trucks. And they added, like I said, barbed wire on top. It's razor wire. Yeah. It's razor wire. It was really, I don't get affected by a lot of things things but it was it was really sad to see and, and really scary I have to say I mean I don't I don't get scared of many things but it, it's really it's really I think it's the most underreported story of the year what they've done to this area well, what's really underreported as well is the fact that there's still a tent city um, right outside of the, the the razor wire fence and it's, I counted it was 12 tents today yeah there you go, there you go. 12 <laughs> tents ladies and gentlemen if you want to know where it is it's what it's Massachusetts and D Street Northeast yes actually right in front of the Heritage Foundation oh perfect well it's probably where heritage staff are living <laughs> and and my favorite nail salon but I one hey, last thing uh, on, just on very the quickly yes. let me finish the joke okay it's where heritage staffers <laughs> are now living because the Heritage Foundation has had to take their pay and give it to Mike Pence. <laughs> That's a good joke. Thank I should have let you finish. <laughs> right. You'll clip this on Twitter and you'll have to say she Natalie, stepped on yeah. it again. <laughs> no, but yeah. I I think it is interesting because you you did mention how the media and Democrats are using QAnon as this kind of kind of boogeyman. I think a few a few weeks back, uh, a Democratic representative actually actually introduced a bill that would 
basically ban anyone who supported election conspiracy theories or anything similar to QAnon from gaining security clearances, really axing them out of any position in the national security realm, because if you don't have a security clearance, you can't hold several positions. So they've definitely taken this to to a very far extreme. Yet when you actually look at the numbers from a polling place that is by no means right wing, uh, it it really portrays a a different worldview than than the one that the media is telling us to to believe. And this is at the time, again, that that they're trying to reinforce all of these different things. So whether it's um, investigating you if you're in the military and the razor wire fence and the more funding for Capitol Police and the permanence of the National Guard in Washington, D.C. and looking into so many people's, prosecuting so many people's backgrounds and barring Trump from office. All of it hinges on this on this idea of virality of the QAnon and the shaman and, 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 and everything that they have had to do with January the 6th. But as you can see from this from this study out of Suffolk University, actually, as you said, you know, came out 14 hours ago, I think, at, at the time of recording. We're recording at about 4 p.m. on a Monday afternoon here. 4% only of Trump supporters said that they have a favorable view of QAnon. Now, I never intended to do any show about talking about QAnon, but it, it really struck me. That the, at a time when when people's civil liberties are being infringed and the nation's capital has been brought to its knees, let's internalize that number and let's throw it back in their faces every single time we're confronted. And it is every couple of hours that we're confronted with either a new news story in the New York Times or CNN or a feature piece, you know, in in, in New York Mag or something like that. And it's QAnon, QAnon, QAnon. If anything, what it feels like is they're trying to make Republicans feel indistinguishable from QAnon, but it's not working. I think it's also very similar to the kind of Russia collusion hoax where they say if you say it enough times, people will will start to believe it or they want people to start believing it. They kind of flood the zone, which hypocritically, they use these bot networks, everything that they accused our side of doing uh, with regards to to Russia and how Russia manipulated our election, yet they kind of use the same tactics by peddling disinformation, making these small sites, these fringe groups seem bigger than they are. Uh, Yet in reality, just 4% of of the Republican Party holds a, quote, favorable view, which doesn't even necessarily mean that they're out there actively supporting it. So it would be interesting that of those 4%, how many people are actually on the streets doing anything with regards to it. Come on, man. <laughs> Just like to use it. Thank you. It doesn't even really make sense in that context, but you know. Well, I love then it. that's perfect because he would probably say something that doesn't make sense in the context. Come on, man. <laughs> I want to move shift topics here a little bit, Natalie, um, and move to some of the more uh, Natalie Winters style scoops that we've got up on the site right now. Of course, it is uh, incredibly important to me that we hold the left to their own standards here and this uh, Washingtonian magazine editor mocking blacks and Hispanics is no is 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 no different in that regard. I, would, I don't want to get into that story right now, but I want to point it out to the audience that the reason we run these, you know, cancel culture type stories isn't because we believe in cancel culture. It's because we believe in holding a mirror up to the left and saying, well, if you're going to try and cancel people on the right, people in the center, even people on your own side, then we are going to show you every time who you should also be canceling if you're if 
if, if everything is and this this was a really interesting and, and important story we've we've done this before as well and we're going to continue to do it because there is no end of left-wing reporters and and democrat staffers who have said racially offensive and insensitive things and again we don't believe in cancel culture you know these people uh should frankly as far as i'm concerned uh apologize i was young i was an idiot and get on with their lives right uh but again if you're going to start removing people from their jobs for things that you don't like on the political right then it's time you did the same thing on the political left as well um let's talk a little bit because the audience hasn't heard from you in a very long time so i want to give you a bit of a run at this You've had a lot of stories out lately about Joe Biden meeting with the chairman of a Chinese propaganda unit. You've had a lot of stories out about uh, his policy directors, Jake Sullivan and and uh, the uh, Rap Hooper, Rap Hopper. Yes, I think it's Rap Hooper, Mira. Rap Hooper, Mira Rap Hooper. So tell us a little bit, because you are the only person, I think, in the world, not just in this country, but in the world, who is really digging into some of the most important compromises that exist within this Biden regime. What do you think right now is standing out to you as the biggest is it is it jake sullivan given the fact that he's in charge of national security is it uh you know the people like nira tandon who ran a think tank that took trips from the chinese communist party just just give us an insight into how you structure the importance of these stories in your mind sure well i i really think it is everyone and and <laughs> i say that seriously i don't Come mean to on, be <laughs> dramatic when i say that but everybody from your low level people whose job is explicitly to focus on china like you said mira rap hooper who's the state department senior advisor on china in policy planning and at the united nations that's a awful combination and then all the way up to jake sullivan uh, who's the national security advisor, and frankly, all the way up to Joe Biden, right? I have the three latest stories that we've put out, and you basically have covered everybody from Joe Biden himself to high-level cabinet-level officials to then the kind of rank-and-file members of the administration. And it seems that at some point, everybody in their career has affiliated with an organization that has taken money, and with that comes personnel and, frankly, talking points from the Chinese Communist Party. I think the stories warrant being read so you can really see all the details because it's hard to believe but whether we're talking about a center established at Yale explicitly from a 30 million dollar donation from the co-founder of Alibaba which is a Chinese Communist Party linked company or whether you're talking about Neera Tandon at the Center for American Progress, who not only is taking trips sponsored and funded by a group that, according to our own government, seeks to influence our policy and neutralize uh, opposing forces, uh, or it's co-authoring reports with the same group, which is none other than the China-United States Exchange Foundation. It really is all the way from top to bottom and from every single person. It really is a high level, an unprecedented level of compromise and sellout to the Chinese Communist Party. So we're talking with Natalie Winters. She does our, a lot of our investigations, or all of our investigations, I should say, over at the National Pulse. Um, we will be changing that soon, by the way. We're getting a lot more people involved w- with the National Pulse. We're bringing in uh, external contributors. Uh, we, we're going to just be ramping things up because there is no end 
to this this malfeasance, right? That is a very polite way of saying it. Really selling selling America out to the Chinese Communist Party. And by the way, I love getting fact checked by Newsweek. Um, I can't remember her name now, but this Newsweek. I mean, she had been an intern. She'd been a typesetting intern. Was her only other significant job in in reporting. Comes into Newsweek as a fact checking. Okay, let me put it this way, Natalie. Would tell the audience? Do I let you be the fact checker? No. No, I check your facts, right? Yes. But she is the fact checker for some reason. This former intern is the person who checks the facts. And she puts out this story and she's fe- checking, fecking our checks. She, <laughs> she's checking our facts over the story about Joe Biden uh, rescinding one of tr- the Trump era policies regarding propaganda dissemination from the CCP in American schools. And she writes the Chinese Community Party. Now, that may be a typographical error. Newsweek is a larger organization than we are. You don't expect to see typographical errors like that in, in, a, in a Newsweek piece. So either her editor or her editor's editor doesn't know what the Chinese Communist Party is, or she doesn't. In any of those cases, that's ridiculous that you can't pick that up. I mean, the, 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 the number of times that we have to write that phrase out it should be the number of times that all reporters have to write that phrase out right now because the Chinese Communist Party has made its way into almost every single department, every single position that is being filled by the Biden regime right now. And I just I just thought it was incredibly, incredibly uh, funny, really, to see Newsweek fact-checking us but not even able to spell Chinese Communist Party in its in its right. And that's not to say that we don't have our typos, but we're a two-person operation over here, right? Newsweek is a gargantuan operation staffed by dozens and dozens of people with with big budgets and and I'm sure lots of fancy plugins on their on their WordPress system to pick up misspelled phrases and, and all that kind of thing. And just to give the audience a little bit of insight into how this works. I mean, I gave a speech out in Phoenix last week. And I actually said, you know, it it, it baffles me what places like the Heritage Foundation spend every year. It's $80 million to pump out a couple of white papers from here on Capitol Hill. And at the same time, I mean, the National Pulse's budget on the year is probably about about $350,000 to keep everything running, to keep the lights on. Now, that's what I find, find extraordinary about the way these news outlets report the news. Well, I was just going to add, I was checking furiously on my computer, but Newsweek is, of course, one of the many, many mainstream media outlets that has, as we always like to talk about, accepted trips and taken private dinners from none other than the China-United States Exchange Foundation. So I would say that they have an especially uh, important and and significant reason to know how to spell the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, check with your invoicing department. (laughs) Yeah, their their big budget is derived from none other than the, uh, the Chinese Community Party. Okay, get, get note for Newsweek. Get on to T&E, get on to travel expenses, figure out how to spell in your news copy the the same people you're making the invoice out to, okay? Because I'm sure the invoice gets it, spells it correctly. Yeah, so and just I'm, copy I'm sure and they'll paste. fact check uh, <laughs> the fact that they've taken dinners from, from QCEF, the China-United States Exchange Foundation, but it's written in, you know, filings with the Department of Justice, so... Okay, fact maybe check maybe <laughs> fact check that. We may have to get a um, get a get a story up on that. Given the fact that they wanted to fact check us over the Chinese Communist Party, let's uh, let's fact check their fact check. 
Um, Natalie, anything else on the uh, on the site that's uh, that's of, uh, of of you know interest to you before I get into what I think is the biggest story of the day, which is not funny enough the Supreme Court and its. Uh, I mean, Amy, Amy Coney Barrett, what a total disappointment. You know, notorious ACB. I will get into this now, actually. Notorious, like now I've started myself off. Notorious ACB. Sorry, glorious ACB. Sorry, it's ignorious ACB, right? She says in the Supreme Court ruling over the Pennsylvania case from this morning that the Supreme Court was supposed to hear... We hear from Amy Coney Barrett, hey, I'm not going to judge on this issue. I'm not going to weigh in because I haven't had the time to look into the allegations of mail-in voter fraud. Okay, firstly, the election was on November the whatever, what, the 3rd, right? So how many months is that? November, December, January, February? Is that three months plus two weeks? Almost four months, yeah. So almost four months later... She hasn't had the time to go through something that she knows is going to come up. She doesn't not know that the case is going to come up. It's 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 absolutely extraordinary. And, and I won't absolve myself of any guilt here. There were loads of us banging the drum saying, this will be great, it's going to be great, ACB, let's go. And yet again, just yet again, we're let down by these 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 lifelong... Leonard Leo, Fed Sock, establishment Republican types who have dwelt and lived all their lives on, on, on Capitol Hill or at least leached off here and the institutions that are up here. And she comes out this morning and says, hey, sorry, I'm not going to weigh in on this. I haven't really had time to look at it. If you haven't had time to look at it, just resign your position on the court, okay? I don't even care if you get Merrick Garland in that regard. It's disgusting. It's insulting. But the biggest story of the day, I think, is the Dominion Voting Systems uh, lawsuit against Mike Lindell. So anything before that? Just be on the lookout for many, many more stories relating to cabinet-level positions, cabinet-level people within the Biden administration, all the way down to lower-level Chinese advisors uh, advising on the Chinese Communist Party, who I have a big story on that that I've been pushing Raheem to publish, so maybe it'll go out soon. But that is a, a very good one involving QSAF and some secret emails. So that's what I have for today. Huh? What? Oh, sorry. You've been <laughs> also, I have to say, I just got an email with another submission to the National Pulse. Oh, very cool. Well, we'll get to that immediately uh, Immediately after this. All right. So the the, the Dominion voting system, I, I don't even know if you have that much to say on this, but feel free to chime in. But the Dominion voting systems situation, Natalie, is, is, is ludicrous to me. I woke up this morning. The first thing I did this morning was go through this 115-page court filing, which for a Monday morning is not exactly how I wanted to start my day but nevertheless we started it the first thing that jumps out at me of this thing is now it's not just mike lindell that they're suing it's actually my pillow inc and michael j lindell that they're bringing the case against and listen ladies and gentlemen you could be pro going after dominion you could be anti going after dominion you could think it's a distraction you could think it's a nonsense but it still bears thinking about the way that they've responded and reacted to this and i'll summarize it very quickly i won't keep you very very long at all but i just want people to understand what's going on here because i said it a couple of weeks ago on the war room and nobody really paid attention to me steve kind of glossed over the point it happens to me more than you think doesn't it? <laughs> yes. There you, go, there you go. So she doesn't even know what I said. But <laughs> I was reading. Yeah, you were reading. Exactly. More interesting than me. But here's the thing. 
I said the reason the left are going after Mike Lindell is that they fear he becomes the underwriter of the entire MAGA movement. So much like the Kochs uh, have underwritten the libertarian movement, much like the Soroses and the Steyers have underwritten the progressive left, much like the Wall Street types underwrite the centrists and the McConnells, much like the Chinese Communist Party underwrite much of the media, what they are all trying to stop is the MAGA movement getting their own sugar daddy uh, in, in the shape of Mike Lindell. N- not to put a strange visual in anybody's heads or anything but but that is what i said a couple of weeks ago not in those words if i said them in those words you can understand people not listening but that's broadly the point is that they see him as somebody who can kind of cut endless checks for causes that he believes in and they're very very afraid of that so they're not just going after mike lindell they're going after the company as well and they allege in this court filing that Mike Lindell was actually using election fraud as a means by which to sell more pillows. Now, it is 2021, so that headline probably seems about normal, considering everything that we've had to learn and live through over the last couple of years. But um, the, the broader element of that, just think about it. They're saying that a man invested millions of his own dollars and weeks and months of his own time risked his reputation and is of course now risking his company because he just wanted to sell some more pillows well why wouldn't you take that time and take that money and take that effort and put it into other marketing strategies you know put it into getting it in more stores putting it into facebook ads putting it into you know it doesn't make sense on the face of it the dominion allegation that he thinks this was the way to grow his company even though it has meant his company has actually been kicked out of big box stores. You, were you going to say this? Is that what you're yeah, going to say? Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I was just pulling up the article on all the stores that have... Well, what's the list? Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, HEB, Kroger, BJ's. It seems like other smaller companies. So it's an interesting legal strategy, I think, to take that he exploited the 2020 election to sell pillows. Yet if you kind of look at his numbers in the bottom line, even though he's experiencing a surge right now, it seems like a lot of his distribution was act as a direct result of the 2020 election. You can read all the, the press releases that these companies have put out and they tie it specifically to his claims about Dominion, his support for the president. So also too, I think they're they're probably trying to, to make an example out of him because corporate America has to be able to, you know, blacklist conservatives and the people that they disagree with. So the fact that he can still survive and sell as many pillows as he is, they, they probably don't like that. Well, um, I couldn't have put it any other any better way, Natalie. That is exactly what's happening. And like you say, Maybe you have a business brain as well, because as you say, no. it makes no way. Well, you don't know yet. <laughs> your, your frontal lobe hasn't even finished forming. You don't know yet. Look, it, it makes maybe sense as a very short term strategy, but it doesn't make sense as a medium or long term business strategy. Uh, and, and as we've seen, Mike Lindell is no short term businessman, right? He's built this company over, what is it, the last decade I think now it's, 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 it was founded, what, in 2013 so. or something like that? Um, it would make no sense to do that. And like you say, that makes this a fairly remarkable legal strategy to say he was just trying to line his own pockets on the back of election fraud, but it's actually hurt his business in the long term, or at least anybody would anybody forecasting would say it's hurt his business in the long term uh, to, to take on the Dominions and, and, and all of the others. 
it's interesting to me that as you scroll through this, and I do actually recommend that everybody reads it. If you get some time, just to scan it. It's up at the National Polls. It's in our breaking news section. We've got the whole document in there. Because as usual, we don't ask you to believe us. We don't take we don't say take our word on trust. We say go through and read the article. Here are links to source documents and you can read them for yourselves and make your own minds up like big boys and big girls. Right? This is what how CNN do not treat you like adults. But we do. So I want you to go through this for yourselves if you can and just look at all of the different elements of this legal case. Firstly, the jurisdiction and venue Uh, issue of this right it says the court has subject matter jurisdiction pursuant to 28 u.s code section 1332 because there is complete diversity of citizenship between plaintiffs and defendants and the amount in controversy exceeds seventy five thousand dollars exclusive of interests and costs what they're doing is making a case for this to be heard in a liberal left washington dc courtroom they effectively make the case that because my pillow products are available to residents of the District of Columbia and certain speech was said within the District of Columbia, that that makes the District of Columbia the primary uh, judicial uh, venue for this case to be heard. And that's obviously not the case. The, the case could be heard in any courtroom. It would probably more be you know, be be more fitting to hear it in Colorado where Dominion has their US office. Remember, it is a company headquartered out of Toronto, I believe, in Canada. It would probably make more sense to hear the case in Canada as well because, hey, you can get my pillows in Canada also. And thirdly, it would make more sense to have it up in Minnesota, which is where where my pillow is actually based. But they want it in a DC courtroom because they want a liberal, a far liberal left judge to be weighing in on this now i'm not going to be all defensive uh, about mike lindell's position here he's ecstatic that they've actually brought suit he's ecstatic that he finally gets to lay out his evidence in front of a courtroom and hey we'll see how it goes but go through some of the factual allegations as they start on page four in this document and you will see that what the What Dominion is doing is using the language of the left, the language of the left, it's very important, to attack the character of Mike Lindell. Now, why is that interesting that they use phrases like the big lie? Because actually, it's only partisans that use the phrase the big lie. Remember, it was the Democrat House impeachment managers who used the phrase the big lie. It was Nancy Pelosi, it was Chuck Schumer, it was not not Chuck Grassley. <laughs> I mixed them up this morning. It was um, Brian Stelter. It's been all of these overtly partisan figures who have pushed the phrase the big lie. And yet it appears 31 times in the Dominion court filing. Now, Natalie, for a company that's claiming that it doesn't take sides politically, using expressly using the language of the left is a pretty funny way of showing it. Yeah, it would be like, I think, using, you know, non-gender pronouns or something or using their kind of speak on a lot of those social justice issues and then saying that, no, we don't have a political view. But I also think that it probably just shows you their worldview in the sense that they don't think that that's a political term because they think it's so just it's the norm it's what it is it is a big lie so i think that that's kind of tells you about 
and I think we've also had the story up. What was it? Nine. I want to get the number right because I don't want to get sued. But it was <laughs> ninety. A very high number. Ninety something percent <laughs> yeah. of of donations, according according to the Federal Election Commission, from employees of Dominion Voting Systems went to Democratic candidates. So huh. I'm not surprised. And huh. I actually, as you're speaking, I was starting to look into the the firm that they've retained to represent them to see if there are any interesting oh, links there. That's very clever because. Probably, as we've every time we look into a big legal firm, they all come up with. Now we're not saying there are, but we're we're going to be looking into that dominion. So uh, so enjoy some of that. It's it's really interesting to me. You go through all of this case as I have done this morning, and and only a few pages are dedicated to actually tackling head on the claims that Mike Lindell has made. Now I, I have to I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I have not gone through the full three hours of, of, of the documentary and fact-checked every claim that uh, that Mike Lindell has made in there. That, that, is, that is not what my job is, and it's not something that I have time for. But it's interesting to me, it stands out to me, that there are very few pages that address this in the court filing. They talk about MAC addresses and the idea that MAC addresses can be falsely generated, and, and, and that's obviously true. You can generate false anything um, or, on the internet. But that's a very specific and... and, and pinpoint target that they have of, of a big three-hour documentary they're looking at just one thing which is the 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 mac addresses of devices and again i don't know what these mac addresses are i don't know what they say but uh, but it's interesting to me that they only really hone down on that one everything else in this filing is about hey mike lindell said bad stuff about us he's been banned from twitter he's friends with Sidney powell he advertises on fox you know this is a this is a character assassination of a man from the left uh, using the left's language and i don't think i mean look a left-wing court will, of course, find in Dominion's favour. But that, they would, a left-wing court would have found in Dominion's favour if they had filed a piece of poo instead of this filing, right? That is just the case. They could have delivered a package of, of Brussels sprouts to the courtroom and the judge would go, yeah, we find in your favour, Dominion, Mike Lindell has to pay $1.3 billion. But if, if you can get a fair court and if you can get a fair jurisdiction on this, I think actually that... There is less in terms of what is actionable in this court filing than there ever was in any of the 80 or so filings that were made by the Trump campaign that didn't get heard because of standing, right? We were told over and over again, no standing, no standing. I'm not sure this has much standing in it as well. And at the end, of course, of this whole thing, wherefore Dominion respectfully requests that a court enter an award of not less than $1.3 billion and judgment in its favor against all defendants jointly and severally as follows. Awarding Dominion compensatory damages of not less than $651 million. Awarding Dominion punitive damages of not less than $651 million. Awarding Dominion all expenses and costs, including attorney's fees. Granting a narrowly tailored permanent injunction requiring the removal of all the defendant's statements that are determined to be false and defamatory and enjoining the defendant's 
from repeating such statements or engaging in any further deceptive trade practices relating to Dominion and such other and further relief as the court deems appropriate. Plaintiffs are demanding a trial by jury on all claims and issues so triable. Fascinating, isn't it? They want a jury trial in Washington, D.C. Who could they be hoping packs that jury? Leftists in a city packed with leftists. Well, we've come to the end of our time together. I want to thank Natalie Winters for being such an amazing guest here in studio today. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Same National Pulse time, same National Pulse place. Head on over to thenationalpulse.com. Share our stories, hit the support button, and we'll see you again tomorrow.